A carriage approaches to take you into the boundless realm of the W my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 250 for the week of November 27th, 2011. In the past 40 years, we've seen some pretty interesting things at Walt Disney World. A water skiing goofy, gunfighters shooting it out in Frontierland, singing fruit, a rapping Mickey, and much more. But until recently, many people couldn't recall seeing a character walking around Adventureland with a giant orange head, leaves for arms, and a green stem sticking out of his head. Today, of course, we fondly recall and miss the little orange bird. And in this week's show, Jim Corcus and I will take a look back in time at the Sunshine Tree Terrace and its one-time host and hostess. We'll explore the origins of the orange bird the Sherman Brothers song, why he and Anita Bryant may have flown the coop, and the recent resurgence in our little orange friend. I'll then pose a question for you to share your thoughts on as well. It's also been way too long since our last contest, so this week, listen carefully for your chance to win a Disney prize package in our Where in the World Have You Heard This contest. I'll then have a few announcements including the date and location of the next Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World, then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. of Walt Disney World's 40th anniversary on October 1st, 2011 coincided with the return of one of those original attractions, or at least a tribute to such. And today, I actually happen to be sitting in a nice, quiet, shady corner of Adventureland, not specifically to talk about the return of those specific tiki birds, but another little orange bird. There he goes, a a distant distant cousin. cousin. And I may be the little orange nerd, but a person who, uh, who like me, fondly remembers uh, that large orange-headed creature is, uh, is Jim Corcus. He is the author of The Vault of Walt. He's a frequent guest on the show. He's a Disney historian, expert, contributor to Celebrations Magazine, gentleman, scholar, um, and, and fan of the little orange swirl. And it's not going to get any better than that, so I better leave right now while I'm ahead. It's only downhill from here. And, uh, yes, we're outside the uh, 
what was the Sunshine uh, uh, Tree Terrace uh, out here, the uh, official home uh, for the orange bird. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the history of the orange bird and uh, the fact that uh, he's recently been uh, re- reintroduced in a, uh, a limited uh, way. We were hoping to see even more of him for the uh, 40th anniversary, but uh, I'm thankful that uh, he's still around after all of this time. So, thank- I, I, I think uh, I think if a, if a couple of years ago I would have talked about the little orange bird and Anita Bryant. Those probably would have been two names that most of the audience may not have rec- remembered because of back in the 70s, they were very popular here in Florida and very popular around, uh, but for a long time uh, had been out of the parks and certainly uh, sort of off the radar until recently. And again, sort of tying into the return of the Enchanted Tiki Room next door, I thought it would be a, a fun time to talk about because this all sort of ties in together, this whole Sunshine Pavilion and its connection to the Florida citrus growers that doesn't really start on October 1st, 1971, but really like four years earlier. Uh, ab- absolutely. You know, um, there was a great deal of excitement about uh, the Disney company coming uh, uh, to Florida. The expectations, of course, was there was going to be a, a, a Disneyland East out here, and everybody knew how popular uh, Disneyland, but uh, very few people uh, east of the Mississippi ever got around to visiting Disneyland. Um, so this seemed to be a, uh, a perfect uh, market uh, for new customers for a variety of uh, uh, different uh, companies and corporations. One of those was the uh, Florida Citrus Growers. And they approached the Disney company as early as 1967, as, as Lou was uh, alluding to, which is really pretty early in the game. And by 1969, had officially signed off on the uh, uh, contract to sponsor a um, $3 million pavilion uh, right here in uh, Adventureland. And certainly the idea of having sponsors for the park is not something that started and wasn't new to Walt Disney World. That's how Disneyland got built. So you say, well, where do Florida citrus growers come into Disney World? That's part of how these uh, of how these parks got built. Well, and and actually, uh, something that uh, some listeners may not be aware of is that the oldest surviving Disney Disney licensee is Florida Orange Juice uh, out at uh, Lake Wales. Uh, that's where they produced Donald Duck Orange Juice. <laughs> and what Donald Duck has to do with orange juice is beyond <laughs> me, other than the fact that it. It sold in 1941, and it continues to sell today. And, um, in fact, it's been a long time since I've been out there, but at one time in the building, they actually had a statue of Donald Duck uh, uh, in there. So Florida Orange Juice and Disney uh, had had a long relationship even before 1969. Now, in 1970, uh, working with the Disney uh, company, uh, the Florida citrus growers uh, developed uh, their own uh, character, uh, the little orange bird. And the design came uh, from C. Robert Moore, uh, better known as uh, uh, Bob Moore. He's a Disney legend, by the way, but one of those Disney legends that a lot of people don't know about because uh, uh, Moore was basically uh, a department to himself. Uh, from 1951 for uh, about 30 years, he was just a department of one and did an awful lot of uh, uh, promotional artwork and special artwork. He did the uh, the murals at the um, elementary school, Walt Disney Elementary School in Marceline, Missouri. Uh, he designed the uh, mascot for the 1984 uh, 
uh, Olympics, Sam the Eagle. Um, you know, uh, he, w- he was one of the uh, few artists who were authorized uh, to sign uh, Walt Disney's signature while Walt Disney was uh, alive. In the 30s and 40s, that was Hank Porter who was doing all of that, but starting in 1951, that was Bob Moore. So he came up with that design of the the big-headed uh, orange bird, and uh, instead of feathers, the green leaves and all of that. The, the storyline came from um, Vince Jeffords, who uh, was in Disney marketing, responsible for a lot of toys and uh, promotions. He eventually wrote like about a dozen uh, Disney children-related uh, 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 books, and uh, he's the one who came up with the uh, original story. Do you remember the story, Lou? I remember it, and it's funny, because we talk about the stories of the parks and the stories of the attractions, and sometimes you can piece them together by things that you see or little details. This storyline was so far removed from this little orange juice stand here in Adventureland, because I remember it being very convoluted about this bird. The orange bird obviously couldn't speak, and he was, he was sort of ridiculed by his other little, you know, bully friends, the birds. Uh, the only way he could communicate was by sort of uh, his thoughts would come out in sort of a little orange puff of smoke. Um, but the storyline beyond that as to how he actually came to Florida was something you never would have been able to piece together by looking at the pavilion, going to the tiki room, or probably talking to any cast member here. Uh, you're absolutely <laughs> correct. And and yes, and you've, you've got the, the basics there of, yes, an orange bird, can't talk, can't sing, and so, again, has no friends, can only uh, communicate through orange puffs of smoke, uh, very much like thought balloons that you'd find in a comic strip uh, uh, character. But, but again, these things that he thought were were very uh, three-dimensional as well, too, so very uh, uh, realistic. And the storyline is is uh, birds were migrating south, and uh, since nobody liked the orange bird, nobody wanted to migrate with, with him, and uh, a later re- uh, revision was that uh, they felt that he didn't even uh, uh, get enough rest or have enough uh, good nutrition and all of that, so he wouldn't uh, survive the journey well. He did. He went. He went on his own. He had a bunch of uh, misadventures. At one time, he he thought he had seen a birdhouse with another orange bird in it, and as he flew to it, turned out to be a traffic light. Eventually, he uh, comes across a family: a mother, a father, and a son and a daughter having a picnic. And he comes down and uh, instantly falls in love with them. But at the end of the picnic, the father goes, you know, we've got a long drive home. We've already got too many pets at, at home. We don't need another one. And I'm worried, too, about, you know, him constantly thinking and filling up the inside of the car with orange smoke. Uh, what was this father thinking? I don't know. Um, so uh, they leave the orange bird there. He's heartbroken. But he decides to fly high in the sky, follow the car. And from his high vantage point, he sees that just around this curve, a bridge has been washed out, and he knows that the father is not going to be able to see it in time uh, to stop. So the orange bird uh, flies down, creates this huge, out of his thoughts, this huge orange stop sign. The father stops in time, the family is saved, and they take the little orange bird uh, uh, home. And that's the official story, although... um, there was also a song. Mm-hmm. So the Sherman Brothers, talk about heavy hitters. You bring in the Sherman Brothers uh, to create a uh, official song uh, for, the, uh, for the Orange Bird. And in fact, uh, 
uh, in the beginning at Walt Disney World, they sometimes had a little 45 of that that they gave away free, which which was uh, very cool. Now, in uh, 68, the Florida citrus growers also hired um, Anita Bryant as their uh, spokesperson because, again, the orange bird's not going to be able to talk. You need somebody who says, you know, a day without Florida sunshine uh, uh, or Florida orange juice is... A day without sunshine. Is a day without sunshine. We're I, showing our age because we know who Anita... <laughs> like, we remember Anita Bryant. That's that's right. And, uh, in fact, Anita Bryant is still alive. Um, and a lot of people forget how popular she was. She was a... Uh, uh, a former Miss America contestant, never a Miss America, but a former Miss America contestant. But she was a very popular singer, had a lot of hits in the uh, top 40, including uh, Paper Roses, which was later covered uh, 13 years later by uh, Marie Osmond. And so she came on board and she had a, a family, and Anita Bryant was was perky and clean. And She was and the all-American, she was the all-American housewife. The all-American housewife. And... Uh, so she did these commercials, and oftentimes with an animated little orange bird. The orange bird apparently lived in in her house. At at, at one point, there was a little orange bird uh, box. So when she was waking up her kids in the morning, she opens up the box, and here's the orange. No holes for the orange bird to breathe, but that's okay. Uh, and and I guess not enough orange smoke to choke him to death. But uh, anyway, so she sang the uh, the the song, and and uh, the song was reasonably. Um, Popular and uh, so by golly, things were were going along uh, uh, pretty uh, uh, smoothly there. Little orange bird, little orange bird, in the sunshine tree, in the sunshine tree. Won't you think something sunny just for me? Think funny thoughts, think funny thoughts. Well, and remember too, because you, you sort of alluded to, obviously, this song and this character, Anita Bryant, weren't confined. To the Sunshine Pavilion, they were on TV, they were on billboards, they were at, I remember we always drove to Florida because unless my mother could actually fly the plane, she wasn't going to fly, we would drive to Florida and stop at the roadside places and the visitor centers and that's where I remember seeing the Orange Bird and getting a, the, the 45 album was at some of those places. Yeah. I still actually have, I have my Orange Bird 45, I have my Orange Bird album too because they released a two-side yes. album. Yes, uh, yes there was and... I didn't get out of the house very much. <laughs> and there were orange bird uh, plastic banks and, and bobbleheads and uh, everything you can imagine. See, I, I didn't come to Florida. I was a, a California boy, so I would go to uh, uh, Disney Anna conventions, you know, run by the Mouse Club and the NFFC. And I'd run across this merchandise, and on the bottom it was uh, stamped, you know, Disney. And I'm thinking, who is this character? What is, I have no clue. And uh, it was all reasonably inexpensive because nobody knew. So, yeah, I got a, a little orange bird bank and uh, salt and pepper shakers and just about uh, anything uh, uh, you could uh, could imagine. Well, and, and so two things to, to point out there is, number one, um, Disney sort of, and I can't think of any other example, Jim, of another time that Disney creates a, a special character specifically for one of the Disney theme parks. They do it later on, where they do it, you know, with, with the creation of somebody like Figment. But they had never sort of done this before, sort of creating a character for a sponsor for the theme parks. And then, two, we, I, I don't want to sort of uh, presume that everybody in the audience knows who or what the orange bird actually looked like. Because it didn't look like a traditional bird that happened to be orange. It was a giant orange head with a little bird 
leafy body. <laughs> and, and, and not just an orange color head, an actual orange, fruit right. orange uh, for that. But, but Disney had always been in the uh, uh, business of creating... Uh, 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 characters uh, for other uh, places. For in in California, uh, up in uh, Sacramento, there's a newspaper called the Sacramento Bee, and Disney created the the Bee for that. Uh, they created Tommy Mohawk for Mohawk uh, carpets and uh, Fresh Up Freddy for Seven Up, and um, uh, Bucky uh, a Beaver for Ipana toothpaste. Brusha, brusha, brusha. That and that's the voice of Jimmy Dodd sped up. So the next time you listen to one of those uh, commercials on YouTube or whatever, listen, that's Jimmy Dodd sped up doing Bucky Beaver. But never never one specifically for, that would create like specifically for Disneyland. Uh, no, the closest was in 1955 when Disneyland opened, they created Andy Anaheim for the city of Anaheim. And uh, Andy Anaheim is still used to this day. And again, another big-headed uh, uh, character because I guess those things... Uh, uh, were considered cute. So, so yes, this this was a first because there's always been um, that conflict of is this a Disney character? Is this a Florida citrus growers character? As I said, I picked up merchandise and it was clearly it was clearly stamped, you know, uh, copyright Disney, you know, and and yet if the Florida citrus growers had paid for this, shouldn't it be copyright FCC or uh, or FCG? I guess so. Uh, um, for that, and uh, so the uh, Sunshine uh, Tree Terrace, which was uh, when you exited the Tropical Serenade, which was the Enchanted Tiki Room, uh, you, you had the uh, Sunshine Tree Terrace, which uh, sold things like Orange Swirl, which they don't today, apparently, we, we see over here, and um, they serve lattes and raspberry <laughs> lemonade slushes, but where the orange stuff is, I, okay. So uh, I remember, yes, and this may be one of those, those, yeah. you know, false reconstructed memories that when you and this was one of the places that when if you ordered an orange juice, it came in a container that was a plastic orange. If you ordered grape juice, it came in a bunch of. It's one of my uh, holy grails of collectibles because no, nobody yeah. ever kept those. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things I remember as a kid: getting orange juice in an actual orange with a straw in it. And, and also the straw was done up like a stem, and at the top of the orange you had the uh, green plastic leaves. So, yeah, it, very cool. I would agree, very, very cool. Again, not my experience, because I, I was not out in uh, uh, Florida or uh, 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 visiting uh, at, uh, at that time, so missed all of that except in, in uh, retrospect. And uh, one of the other things, and we were looking today for the placement of that, was they had a little uh, three-dimensional orange bird, and behind him was a, uh, a screen, a TV monitor screen that, that showed what he was thinking, which was basically think orange or buy orange swirl or uh, uh, all of that. And in addition to that, uh, starting in 1971, there was a walk-around orange bird character. Uh, in uh, uh, what is known uh, primarily as a, uh, uh, a pajama suit. Some of you may remember uh, your footy p- pajamas and, and all of that. Uh, that's, how, that's how you refer to a costume where uh, even though there's, uh, you know, some extra space and all that, basically it, it follows the contours of your own body as opposed to many of the Disney character costumes. We have the fur costumes at least. You know that that have a framework or whatever that creates a different 
uh, shape. And so, so he, if basically I wore it, I would look like a little orange pear. As that's well, you're you're actually you're actually the size of the orange bird. So your life size, Lou Mangiello, the life size orange bird. Um, so uh, maybe one of your listeners out there will actually make you a costume. Oh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> or, or, uh, or, or maybe they have a couple of those orange sippers. out. Th- and I think there was only the orange sippers. There may have been other fruit, an apple or something like that, somebody yeah. was saying. But I, I, I just remember orange sippers. And uh, so you'd have the walk-around character. And uh, so all was right with the world until... Because yeah, he... he the, the, yeah. He was almost like a, a visual Barker bird because he really, I remember him and I have a picture of him out in front of the Tiki Room, which at the time was the Tropical yeah. Serenade. Um, so he was sort of the, the quiet Barker bird that sort of was um, enticing people to come. I remember Adventureland looked very different than it did now. This, this, uh, the Magic Carpets wasn't here. It was sort of an open space with the tables and the benches. So I remember him standing out there sort of bringing you over um, to the Tiki Room Years before, later on, we end up getting Artemis, and, yeah. and we'll talk about why the orange bird eventually <laughs> flies the coop, as it were. And that's true. And and yes, we, we tend to forget that uh, the park looked much different in 1971. So, for instance, uh, the end of Adventureland dead-ended. There was no Pirates of the Caribbean. There was no crossover to Frontierland. You had to go all the way back out to, you know, uh, mosey your way around because there was nothing down there. So, uh, so this was a, a, a huge uh, uh, hit. Enchanted Tiki Room, of course, a, a huge hit out in uh, uh, California. Really, the first use of uh, uh, audio animatronics in a in a Disney theme park, and and again, just as popular out here because it it, it was just such a funny, delightful, mellow show written by Wally Bogue, one of my personal um, performing uh, heroes, best known. Uh, for Pecos Bill in the Golden Horseshoe Review, one of my favorite Disney shows of all time with uh, Wally Bogue in that. And um, you had the the uh, different uh, uh, parrots. You had uh, uh, Fulton Burley, who was also in the Golden Horseshoe show. Uh, Fritz, done by Thurl Ravenscroft, that most people just know from the, the Haunted Mansion. So, so yes, this was a wonderful thing. And, and again, Disney tried to leverage the Orange Bird uh, elsewhere. So uh, in 1980, they made an educational film um, uh, about uh, food and nutrition starring the orange bird. And basically, it told uh, um, the, the story that uh, Vince Jeffords had, had wrote. The narrator for that was Rex Allen, one of my all-time favorites, the original father in uh, Carousel of Progress, known as the Arizona Cowboy. In fact, he only owned cowboy clothes and boots. So the very first time he met Walt Disney, he had to borrow a suit from a friend. And Walt's first remark was, gee, Rex, I didn't notice you since you were incognito here. (laughs) Uh, And uh, June Foray, um, uh, voice actress, did that. Uh, The animation for this this little 15-minute... uh, short, which again w- w- was done for schools. There were also film strips uh, doing the, the same thing. Uh, was done by a company called uh, Rick Reinert. Rick Reinert had been a former uh, Disney artist and had uh, started his own small little uh, uh, mom and pop animation studio, which a lot of uh, um, uh, Disney artists did, like uh, Dale Bear, who did a lot of work on uh, 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 Roger Rabbit, who framed uh, Roger Rabbit. So anyway, they had them do the Orange Bird uh, one, and it was a huge hit because it, it they had a minimum budget, but boy, they got their bang for their buck. 
Disney was so pleased that the next assignment they gave Rick Reinert Productions was Winnie the Pooh and the Day for Eeyore, which was the very first Disney theatrical cartoon that was outsourced from Disney Animation. And so, uh, although I take that back, back in the in the 40s, Mare Babies were done by uh, Harmon and Ising, uh, where Walt was uh, helping them out, where they were between jobs, between uh, Warner Brothers and MGM, but that was 1940, so here we are 40 years later, and Disney outsources all of its animation for a theatrical short to Rick Reinhardt Productions. They also came out with a comic book. Uh, only one issue of uh, The Orange Bird and Three Adventures. And again, they're all uh, nutrition, like Orange Bird is trying to help on the farm. But because, you know, uh, he didn't have a, a healthy breakfast after he got up in the morning, he poops out halfway through the day. So you give him a Florida orange juice and, that, and that'll do it. Help uh, fight scurvy, drink yeah. Florida. And uh, that was uh, drawn by uh, Tony Strobel, very great uh, 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 Disney artist, oftentimes overshadowed by folks like Carl Barks and Paul Murray and Floyd Godfordson, but a, a real good workmanship uh, uh, artist who uh, produced wonderful work for, for decades. So there was a lot of Orange Bird uh, stuff out there, and you thought, boy, Orange Bird, you know, people just love him. He's going to last forever. And we get to, uh, unfortunately, um, in, the, in the late 70s, uh, Anita Bryant becomes a figure of controversy. She has, uh, she has some... Um, a personal philosophy uh, that uh, she voices uh, aggressively and adamantly, and by becoming that figure of uh, uh, controversy, uh, some people are so put off by that that they start boycotting Florida orange juice. And so by 79, uh, the Florida citrus growers uh, do not renew her contract but by that time, she was so closely connected with the orange bird that the orange bird started to fade as well. Because whenever you saw the orange bird, you immediately thought of Anita Bryant because you saw all the commercials, you saw the print ads, you saw uh, all of this. And so uh, initially, the Florida uh, citrus growers had a, a 10-year contract uh, from 71 to 81, and then they renewed for an additional five years, 86, and then at that time, they, they dropped their sponsorship, and, and the Orange Bird pretty much disappeared, except for, as you already pointed out, uh, a lot of the roadside stands and citrus growers and all that uh, still kept producing um, Orange Bird merchandise uh, into the uh, uh, 90s, although less and less. And then a miracle happened to save the Orange Bird. Who do you think would have saved the Orange Bird? The Japanese. The Japanese, <laughs> of course. My gosh, uh, you know, I, I, I have yet to, to visit uh, uh, Tokyo Disneyland. Really looking forward to doing that someday. And uh, Research Tokyo. trip. Me and you, like a buddy movie. Oh, that's Me, it. There you go. <laughs> uh, Tokyo Disney. Uh, Jim and Lou will tell you stories. But, uh, yeah, basically in 2004, the Japanese rediscovered the orange bird because it was uh, very much in keeping with uh, their great love of cuteness. You know, large haired head characters with large eyes. Uh, you, so, you'd be very popular in Tokyo. I'd be very popular out there. I, I'd be the Hello Kitty. I'd be the, I'd be the American the Hello, Hello Kitty Jimmy, for there. The Hello, yeah, Hello Jimmy. Jimmy for that, yes. And uh, so they started producing some of their own uh, merchandise and it just uh, took off. And in fact, in Japan, they even have a... Um, 
uh, Citrus Day. I think it's, mm-hmm. what, April 14th right. or something like that. And so that if you're a friend with someone, you exchange citrus. What that has to do with anything is, is beyond me. But, you know, if you can come up with a, a Valentine's Day or whatever, you can come up with it. Any citrus. reason to exchange gifts that involve food is a good day for well, me. Well, I think, I think that is a, a good thing, which, which brings to mind, you shared one of your favorite. One of my favorite memories growing up in California was they had a flavor at 31 Flavors that they have never brought back. It was called um, Mandarin Chocolate. So it was a dark chocolate ice cream, but it had citrus flavor. Oh, my gosh. It was good. <laughs> but, but again, 31 Flavors always rotated, so, and then it's gone now. I'm, I'm sure I could Google it and find the recipe on, on the Internet there. Um, so anyway, um, uh, after seeing the success of this, uh, just like seeing the success of Duffy the Bear, uh, over stateside, Disney said, well, obviously this has an a, a appeal to uh, uh, people. We're going to bring it here. And so within the last, uh, oh, two, maybe three years, we've started to see a, a variety of uh, uh, Orange Bird uh, merchandise, uh, uh, some shirts. There's a Vinylmation Orange Bird. Um, all of that. It, it's interesting here in Adventureland, they're not selling any Orange Bird stuff. I, I, I think they, they do. But uh, I, I think both of us were hoping that uh, uh, he was going to pop up on October 1st there for the 40th, right? It, it's been an interesting over the last couple of years, like you said, because he sort of quietly became known again, especially to people who are very much interested in, in Disney world history. And maybe it's with the approach of the 40th or just that sense of nostalgia the Tiki Room potentially coming back and looking for changes to that. The merchandise that was coming back was sort of people posting online, look at my little orange bird. I have a little orange bird, maybe mm-hmm. two-inch plastic thing that's been sitting on my desk for years. Other people say, oh, I have this orange bird album. I've got... And so this, this sort of grassroots revival of the orange bird comes back. And as we start approaching the 40th anniversary, Disney starts to acknowledge it. And the first time I really saw it and... I have the shirt is at Destination D Walt Disney World the official t-shirt was white and the piping on the sleeves and the neck was the orange bird the writing was orange so me being the little orange nerd that I am (laughs) said this is great I think the orange bird may be coming back there's this Disney seems to have this renewed sense of nostalgia maybe seeing what the what the enthusiasts online are interested in as the 40s started to approach they were having orange bird pins, like you said, orange bird vinylmation. And so I said, I'm, I feel it, Jim. I feel October 1st, we're going to see that little orange bird in his pajama, footy pajamas. Yeah. He's going to walk right down the middle of Main Street, USA. And we got nothing. <laughs> I, I, I know. And, 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 and I think it's really tough. And again, there was been an awful lot of confusion, too, because as I, I said, after, you know, uh, he, he sort of disappeared from uh, the Magic Kingdom. Uh, the Florida citrus growers still produce merchandise, but oftentimes you'll find Florida orange uh, bird merchandise that just says Florida on it, you know, in, in, in big letters. and all. So there's that confusion of, you know, what is that all about? But, my gosh, the character, just like you, Lou, is lovable, <laughs> is lovable, is, is always optimistic, always wants to help, uh, you know. Uh, other people, some obviously at a loss for words sometimes, but <laughs> but always thinking good orange thoughts, and um, you know I'd 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 love to uh, to see that. You know what I'm surprised about too is like with the introduction of of Duffy, I'm surprised they just 
brought out Duffy and they didn't come up with a Duffy TV series or a Duffy theatrical short or a Duffy TV special, you know, to, to tie that in. Because I still run into um, uh, guests who are confused about Duffy and what, what movie is he from? Well, they, they, have, they have books because my kids had, they had a book called, it was called The Disney Bear. And then he was sort of rebranded as Duffy. So they were able to make that connection from the stories. It was it was about, sort of about Mickey and his Disney bear in the Magic Kingdom and going to sleep. And then when Duffy was brought over here from Japan, he was sort of given the, the, the name of Duffy. And going back to the first, you talk about confusion. I think that maybe would have been it too. If you think about it, relatively speaking, Duffy, the little orange bird wasn't around here a lot. He wasn't on Disney commercials. He was on... Florida orange juice commercials. So if he was sort of to parade down Main Street, I think a vast majority of guests probably wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have made that connection that we as mm-hmm. Disney geeks, and I mean that in a good way, know of the orange bird. I think you're absolutely right because, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I, I spent uh, uh, my youth growing up in uh, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, California, Southern California area, and... We were uh, clueless because, again, you weren't going to uh, promote Florida orange juice in California that was creating its own orange juice, for crying out loud. And, um, again, there, there, there was no, uh, in, in those days, you didn't have, you know, that access to the Internet and to all of these uh, Disney clubs and uh, blogs and, and wonderful podcasts like this. So, uh, again, no, no clue, no con- confusion. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, he, he, he's a delightful, uh, fun little character and uh, uh, ready to be um, re-looked at, you know, because uh, obviously when people see him, even though they don't know uh, the backstory, they may never have heard the Sherman Brothers song, whatever, there's just something about him that's sort of cute and, and appealing. And you go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. And, and obviously, we've, we've touched a uh, nerve with you because every time I, I mention Orange Bird, I, I, I see your eyes light up with that orange, orange glint of, of pixie dust there of, of such fond, fond memories. And, and I don't think it was related just to your, your trips with your parents. It was the character itself seemed to be fun. Yeah, he was, and and he was unique, and he and, and like Figment, he was he was new, and and he was very specific to the park. So you associated him with Walt Disney World, and yes, I associated him with my trips down here with my parents. But I wonder now, in 2011 and, and 2012 going forward, um, you know, could the Orange Bird come back? Could he come back almost sort of be reintroduced to a new generation? Does that controversy from the late 70s? Does it still sort of cast a little bit of a cloud over the character because of his association with her for the generation that does remember that and does maybe sort of have um, strong feelings about that? Or has enough time passed and the distance has been uh, given that the orange bird can come back? The, the orange bird could rise again like the phoenix. Well, I, I, I think uh, it definitely could because I think there has been uh, enough uh, uh, distance, you know, um, uh, some of your your listeners are just uh, cute as a button, and and when when I'm hanging out with you and they they come up and introduce themselves, and and I go oh my uh, they're they're just so perky and all this. Turns out they were born in 1991. <laughs> you know, 1991. Give me a break. <laughs> you know, is my life already nostalgia and history? 1991. And and again, there's no um, recognition of anything before then really you know I, I run into an awful lot of uh, college uh, program uh, 
uh, age kids that uh, basically anything that happened uh, beyond five years ago, that's it. It's gone. It's the same as mixing it in with the dinosaurs fighting the Civil War is what they're concerned about. There's nothing uh, uh, there. And I I think Anita Bryant has uh, fallen out of... um, public view for so long as I said she's still alive she's still singing and you know uh, more power to her there uh, she, she's had some uh, uh, rough speed bumps uh, uh, in, in her life uh, you know a, a, a divorce a, a couple of other things so uh, you know I, I, and I think some of the things that she battled uh, against so vehemently in this day and age are no longer a, a, a fight, you know, th- things that she argued against are, are now law in the in the state of Florida. So it's like, you know, no sense holding any hard feelings about that. And I think at this particular point, Orange Bird has a separate identity from her. You know, I, I don't think uh, it, it's just old timers like you and I. Well, we remember, you know, and <laughs> yeah, but I saw. You smile genuinely when I talked about the Destination D shirt. You're like, wait a minute. Ma-. And so we wondered, like, as we walked through Adventureland, what if there was a little orange bird shirt, you know, over at Zanzibar or, you know, over here somewhere, uh, if they sold little orange bird merchandise, you know. I think he has a nostalgic element for those that remember, and I think he's got a cute factor for those people who are going to be introduced to him. And, and you know, one of the lots of things... Uh, break my heart you know I'm a sensitive guy you know that a lot of things break my heart a couple of years ago there was a special event out here in Florida called the uh, Hukilau which celebrates tiki culture and I only found out about this after the fact this is what broke my heart is uh, uh, two of the speakers there were Kevin Kidney and uh, Jody Daly who have done some wonderful uh, merchandise and and I think really capture the the spirit of Disney. Obviously, have a, a great love of Disney, and they did a presentation on Disney tiki culture, including, according to the the blurb, telling more stories about the Orange Bird than you have ever heard. And to this day, I regret that I didn't get to hear you know uh, uh, those stories there, and and I regret that Disney is just sort of tentatively dipping its toe in the water for, for the orange bird. I think now is the time. Now is the best time. Well, there may be a great big beautiful tomorrow because... <laughs> sorry, it was there. I had to take it. Because I think there's this, a lot of this next generation of Imagineers that seems to have an affinity. I, I see their tweets. I see their unofficial sketches that they post of the little orange bird, mm-hmm. you know, riding Splash Mountain, the little orange bird on the TTA, the little orange bird around the park. So I think they would love to see it come back. And I bet you there's an internal push from some of these guys uh, to see it, especially in this sense of, of this nostalgic time that we have with Walt Disney World's 40th here. And and I, I agree with you. I, I think uh, uh, some of the Imagineers working for the company right now, some of the younger Imagineers really do have... Um, uh, that uh, respect and affection for uh, uh, the Disney company. I, I think people like uh, uh, Kim Irvine have done wonderful things in terms of revitalizing classic attractions, but keeping the spirit uh, of, uh, of Walt Disney uh, in those uh, revitalizations. I, I just hope we never see something like uh, Orange Bird uh, battling Figment, you know, in some <laughs> video game or something like that. You know, oh my gosh. Uh, 
I, I, I just can't even imagine uh, that. But orange and purple, that, that goes together. I think those are school colors of, of, of uh, some school. But uh, we're over, over here, and it took us uh, forever to get uh, uh, something to sit down and, and sip on while we were talking, right? This is still a very, very popular uh, location. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we even sort of peeked up uh, in the trees behind the counter to see if maybe the little orange bird might have been peeking his, his, uh, his head out. But we will continue to look. We'll continue to look and see if the orange bird and listen to, to see if we can uh, see some of his little orange thoughts coming back. Uh, we'll also look to see more from you, Jim. Back on the show uh, in the future because I love having you on. I love, especially now that I'm here, mm-hmm. we can come to the parks more often and, and eat our way around and, and talk about some of these details and stories. Of course, you also contribute some amazing stuff to Celebrations Magazine. I say that as a fan, not a publisher. <laughs> and of course, you know that I sleep with the Vault of Walt right next to my bed um, because it is that good. And you tell the stories that nobody else can tell from such a personal uh, a personal angle because you've met these people, you've talked to these people, and you're able to sort of capture that. And uh, I will put a link to the Vault of Walt in this week's show notes. you got to come back. And remember, Jim, he's a little fluffy, puffy sight to see. He can turn your frown around. So when you see him looking down, you know that that is a little orange bird in a sunshine tree. Thank you again, my friend. Uh, my, my pleasure. And for those people who have lasted this long through the the podcast. I know you're always looking for, uh, in fact, just as Lou and I sat down, we had a listener come by and say, oh, I just love all those little things you guys share. So as a reward for those of you who listen through this entire podcast, when you come to the uh, Sunshine Tree Pavilion here, uh, those are the original tikis out there holding the uh, flame torches. And when you look on the roof, you'll see that there's a carved water buffalo. But it's carved in such a way because they knew you'd be able to see it over in Frontierland so that if you're on the Frontierland side, it looks like a longhorned uh, uh, cattle. So those are two little things. I thought when you said you're going to have a surprise for listeners, you were going to break out in song and take us out with a little orange bird. Go! Little orange bird in the sunshine tree, and I wish I knew the lyrics, but that, oh, little orange bird in the sunshine tree, won't you think of something sunny just for me? I can't even remember the the, the tune, and, and, and again, you know, I couldn't uh, uh, carry a tune even if it had a, a, a handle, but I, I appreciate that. Thank you again, Lou, for the option to share these stories and keep the stories alive. And thanks to all the listeners who, who do the same. And I'm looking forward to the next podcast we do together, Lou. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I will, uh, and I will leave it with, uh, with a, not your rendition, but the original uh, Richard Sherman song, <laughs> Sherman Brothers song, and Anita Bryant. Jim, thanks again. Thank you. You're in orange smoke. That's what makes the orange bird unique. Little orange bird. Little orange bird. In the sunshine tree. In the sunshine tree. Won't you think of something sunny just for me? Think a funny thought. Think a funny thought. Or a sunny word. Or a sunny word. That will make me happy, little orange bird. Well, one of the things I love doing on the show is enhancing your enjoyment and appreciation of Walt Disney World. I also love to have fun with you guys as well, and it has been way too long since our last trivia contest or Name That Tune or Where in the World Have You Heard This Contest, and because of that, it's time to bring it back. And this week, we are in fact going to have our next Where in the World Have You Heard This Contest. 
And it's very simple. You don't need to know trivia or history or details or anything else because all I'm going to do is play seven random sound clips from around Walt Disney World. They can be shows or attractions, current or extinct, or sounds from elsewhere around the resort. I'm going to play the clips with the little radio tune in between so you can help break them apart and distinguish one from the other. And then all you need to do is list the names of where the clips are from in order and email them to contest at wdwradio.com by 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, December 4th. Be sure to include your name and email address in the body of your email. Now, from all the correct entries, I will randomly select one winner, and it's the holidays, and I'm feeling thankful to and for all of you. And I, since I know that it has been way too long that we've had a contest on the show, I'm going to give you a prize package that's going to include... All six of my audio tours on CD, Main Street, Adventureland, Fantasyland, Toontown, Liberty Square, and Frontierland, a signed copy of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book, Volume 2, a copy of the now-out-of-print first edition of Celebrations Magazine, and the all-new limited-edition holiday book, which is about a $25 value, and I'm also going to give you a $25 iTunes gift card as well. So... Without any more ado and introductions, remember, 11 a.m. Sunday, December 4th, email your answers to contest at www.radio.com. Hear the clips. Good luck. Battle stations, report to the flight deck for immediate launch. As you can imagine, safety is a big concern of ours, so we're going to insist that you will. Uh... I hear this new CO they sent over from HQ is a real featherweight. Ah, uh, he's probably some desk jockey. Before I throw these razor-sharp knives around the body of the volunteer, my assistant will place a bag over his head. Paper or plastic? We still require the old gray tea quinine, mosquito netting, and piano wire. I quite understand, sir. I'll see what we can do. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. As always, I am sincerely grateful to all of you for allowing me to share my passion for Disney with you. And in the spirit of the season, I also want to acknowledge... What an incredibly generous family you are all a part of. Time and again, the WDW Radio community has come together to help make dreams come true for children through the Dream Team Project, through donations, auctions, and other fundraising and events. And I think that as Disney fans, we all share in the value and the importance of family and togetherness. And the approaching holiday season gives us all the opportunity to hopefully count our many blessings and to share our appreciation with others. And I think it can be a magical time and we want to share some of that magic with a new effort to hopefully make a difference in some others' lives as well. So I'm announcing the inaugural WDW Radio Holiday Project where we'd like to honor the members of our armed forces with a holiday card writing campaign. I'm sure you know by listening to the show how grateful 
I am to those who have served or are currently serving in the military and their families for the sacrifices that they make every day. And with the help of our own WW Radio hero, Sergeant Jeremy McBriar, we have sort of adopted a military unit currently serving overseas. Uh, they were deployed recently, and we want to share with them the spirit of the season during their holidays away from home. So what we're asking you to do is for all the members of the WW Radio family, and if you're listening, you are part of that family, to take a moment and send a holiday greeting to any soldier in this unit. Now, it may take a while for the mail to reach our troops, so the sooner you're able to send a holiday card, the better the chances are it'll be received by the holidays. And we want to try and make this as easy as possible for you, whether you want to send a card or even a small gift. I know that they would appreciate things like small games or newspapers or magazines, even things like toiletries or telephone calling cards. We have an address right on the website that I'll link to in this week's show notes. Uh, Somebody over at the 887th ESC will make sure that those cards and gifts get distributed. Again, this will help bring a little bit of that Disney magic to some true heroes uh, that can use it this time of year. So again, anything you guys can do would really be appreciated. Okay, so just to quickly wrap up the rest of the show, please come by the show notes over at show 250 over at www.radio.com. Leave your comments about your memories of the Orange Bird or the Sunshine Tree Pavilion. While you're there, explore the rest of the site, the blogs, discussion forums, and lots more. Be part of the show by calling into the voicemail line 407 900-9391 900-9391 that's 407-900-WDW1 or if you have a question you want answered on the air you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com also don't forget that in addition to the podcast and the videos please come by the WDW newscast every Wednesday night at 7.30pm Eastern over at wdwnewscast.com there we do a weekly live video broadcast and chat about this week's Walt Disney World news gives you the opportunity to be a part of the show Engage in the conversation, discussion, ask and answer questions along the way. If you can't make it live, that's okay. You can also catch it on our YouTube channel, on the blog, or get the audio in the iTunes feed as well. I always talk to you guys about being part of the WW Radio family and the community. If you want to come by one of our meets of the month in Walt Disney World, the next one is going to be next Saturday, December 10th, 2011, over at the Sleepy Hollow Refreshment over at Liberty Square in the Magic Kingdom. That'll run from about 12 noon to 1.30 p.m. or so. Uh, we're also going to have, while supplies last, uh, holiday gifts to give out for everyone who comes by and attend. Please come by and, and say hi. Again, for more information, you can visit DisneyMeets.com and also get a link there to our Facebook event page. You can also follow me over on Twitter for updates and changes. I am at Lou Mangello. Also, be sure and come by CelebrationsPress.com. There you can subscribe and order back issues of Celebrations Magazine. And there still is time, although it is running out, to get your deluxe limited edition Christmas book from Celebrations Magazine. It's a hardbound book with more than 120 pages of Disney Christmas photos, behind-the-scenes stories, including some from Jim Corcus about the holidays at Walt Disney World. They are shipping now, so you will have them in plenty of time for yourself or for gifts in the holidays. But again, they are a limited edition. They are selling fast. And when they are gone, we will not be printing anymore. You can still get it for the pre-order price of $19.95 plus shipping and handling. Again, that's over at celebrationspress.com. Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors. Mouse Fan Travel, as you know, my official recommended travel provider because that's who I use. Whether you're going to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, or Alani, Becky Menken and her team of agents give you the best possible prices 
all available discounts, an incredible little level of personal service, again, all at no additional cost to you. When you're coming to Walt Disney World, All-Star Vacation Homes has great condos, up to seven-bedroom homes with spas, kitchens, private pools, multiple master bedrooms, and game rooms over at allstarvacationhomes.com. So if you're bringing your large extended family or friends, a great option when you come to Disney. And of course, if you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World, you know I love, even though I live here, the Swan and Dolphin, because I still go to a lot of their 17 world-class restaurants like Blue Zoo and Shula's and Il Molino, but they do have wonderful guest rooms with the most comfortable, the Westin Heavenly Beds on property, Mandara Spa, lots of other Disney benefits. Check them out over at swananddolphin.com. Make sure you come by during the holidays. Come by when Santa and Mrs. Claus are visiting there as well. As always, my friends, if you like the show, and I hope that you do, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link on Facebook. Come by, rate and review the show over in iTunes as well. And most importantly, I want you guys to remember that there's no time like right now to start pursuing what you are passionate about and do what you love each and every day. Be positive, be motivated, get inspired to start pursuing your dream. And when you do, always keep moving forward. And as always, my friends, and you are my friends, I want to thank you again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. So until next time, have a great week, everybody. See ya. Hey, Lou, how you doing? This is Russ from Michigan. Just want to let you know we just got back from a trip to Disney, and we were selected for the test of the Fast Pass for the daytime parade. Uh, they, they gave it to us in the morning when we were walking down uh, Main Street. The, um, the viewing area was a roped-off area inside the hub from about 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, right on the edge in front of the castle on the inside of the hub. Anyway, just want to let you know uh, it was a great viewing spot. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll uh, implement this program. It, was, it worked out well for us. Thanks. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Melina from Denver. Just wanted to call to let you know that I love your show. I um, stumbled upon it sometime this summer, and I can't believe I've gone years without knowing about it. But um, I'm having fun. <clears throat> excuse me, playing uh, fun. I'm having fun playing catch up with the uh, with the podcast. I wanted to let you know that um, last week I signed up and joined the um, WDW Radio Running Team. And I'm really looking forward to meeting you and the rest of the team in January during Marathon Weekend. Speaking of which, um, I wanted to share that today I completed my first marathon distance, yes, 26.2 miles, in preparation for the race through the world on January 8th. Couldn't have done it without my husband, my own Prince Charming, by my side. And for all of you out there listening and thinking there's no way you could do a Disney race, I encourage you to check out Run Disney Consultant Jeff Galloway's Run Walk Method. It really and truly works. Thanks for all you do, Lou. Hey, Lou. from Chicago. I was just calling to say I have finally caught up with every single podcast episode today. I listened to the last one um, that I haven't ever heard before, which was about um, the uh, Port Orleans Resort which was great because since I'm staying at Port Orleans uh, French Quarter in May, that is awesome that I got to learn some new stuff about it. But now that I am all caught up, uh, I just can't wait for all the new podcasts to come out every week. Um, just want to say you're awesome, you do a great job, and I'm just loving the podcast lately. Um, so much great information, so many great guests that you're having on and just learning 
whole bunch more stuff about Disney, and I'm just loving it. So um, hopefully we come up with some great ideas for some future podcasts. I'm trying to think of some ideas so I can send your way. Um, but until then, have a great weekend. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your family. And looking forward to seeing all the rest of the holiday stuff coming up this uh, next month and all the coverage you'll be doing and everything like that. So, with that, I will talk to you soon. Take care. You've got a Yeah!